Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonabello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. At Kroger, we believe it takes the right team to bring you the freshest produce. That's why we partner with farmers who grow only the best. And that level of teamwork means better, fresher options time and time again. Working with farmers is what it takes to be fresh for everyone. Kroger, fresh for everyone. It's the big $10 sale. So mix and match and get two, three, four, five, or even 10 for $10 with your card. So many great deals. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. All Hit Radio to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. I am Rob McConnell, coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. If you would like to send me an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, exxonradiotv. Uh, to email me, exxon at exxonradiotv.com. And for all the information about the Exxon Broadcast Network, visit us online at www.xzbn.net. Exonation, my guest this hour is a gentleman we've had the pleasure of having on the show before. His name is Jock Brokaw, and he is a renowned evidential medium and spirit interventionalist. He shares a lifetime of wisdom, experience, and knowledge of the realms of the departed and how to safely interact with them. Belief in the afterlife has reached a level of public acceptance never before seen in modern history, bringing with it an unrealistic sense of that Anything paranormal must be benign. Jock's respect for the very real dangers of afterlife communication has guided his desire to assure the safety of those who wish to develop their gifts, 
Now there is much into this realm that needs to be learned. And joining us tonight is Jock Brokos. And Jock, welcome back to the Exxon. Always great talking to you. Oh, Rob, it's an absolute pleasure. It's great to be back again and uh, have a chat and share our wisdom and knowledge with all the listeners. Now, Jocko, one of the questions I received uh, from one of our listeners after your last visit was to ask you the next time you were on the radio show what an evidential medium is. I get asked this all the time. So an evidential medium is a medium that is able to give evidence Mm-hmm. from the afterlife that that basically would stand up to scrutiny. So you and I both know that there's a lot of um, generalizations and cold reading and hot readings that can happen in mediumship. And what's often given out as general statements mm-hmm. is often fishing or it, it, could, it could, for instance, happen to anybody when they say, you know, I've got a gentleman standing here, he's a bit portly, he's about five, you know, five foot ten, he's, you know, and then that could be millions of people where if the evidence was, you know, much stronger, for example, you know, I have a, there's a gentleman coming through, he's given me this name, he's given me this date, he was right. with you the other day when you did this, or, uh, you know, and given information that can't readily be accepted by a sitter that has to go and validate that maybe two or three times down the line before that actually gets validated. And so that evidence then, if, if that then comes up against scrutiny from, you know, science, there's no way that they can utilize this, this, the theory of the super consciousness, you know, because the person who was receiving the message didn't actually know the information, had to go to someone else to verify it, who then had to verify it somewhere else. Sure. And if that then is verified and that information is true, that evidence is standing up. That, that's real type of evidence that's there. And it's not your generalized where they're asking loads of questions instead of giving statements where they'll say, you know, did you have a father in the spirit world? Did you do this? Mm-hmm. Or I'm seeing that you need to go to the dentist or something. They're, these are all very general statements the skeptic can basically rip into any some person who's claiming, you know, mediumship. So the information has to be validated and it has it has to stand up. It really has to stand up on its own as, as good information. And the other thing that I'll say, Rob, is that one, it's, it's, it's almost like the old saying, like one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. And, and that's kind of similar when you took evidential mediumship because one person's evidence is another person's failure. But it still has to, that evidence still has to stand up to scrutiny, whether it's personal to that person or not. It has to be accepted and it has mm-hmm. to, you know, it has to stand up as real valued evidence. And so that's the difference in evidential mediumship, is being able to give much, much more in terms of, um, I, I will give you an example, and I don't normally use examples in my own cases, but I recently had uh, a case where, this actually saved the life of a gentleman. Um, his wife had connected with us and asked us basically, you know, to, to see if I could tune in or get anything from, from the spirit world or anything like that. You know, she was worried about her husband. Sure. And I had given this person a, a sitting before, which I normally don't actually give anybody a sitting. Mm-hmm. But this was very, very strong because the person had had a triple bypass 
mm-hmm. and wasn't looking after themselves. Well, at the time, Spirit made a connection. Mm-hmm. They came through and identified where the, where the individual was that was not next to his wife, where he was, who he was with, the fact he was playing cards, gave him even the details of the card game, gave him the details of, of things that nobody even knew and only he knew, and that had to be validated when he went home. So that information that was so strong basically kicked him up the backside, and, and if he had been going on the path that he was going on, he wouldn't have seen his grand. He wouldn't have seen his granddaughters. He wouldn't have seen his daughter, and he certainly would have. He wouldn't have been with his wife much longer. So, there's times where spirit will come through when there's a nest, when there's a need, and there's a deep need, in order to to reach someone, and that'll happen. But for for the most part, evidential mediumship has to basically stand up to scrutiny. That it has to be something that is just not normal. It's not usual. It's something that's really personal. It's something that's strong. It's something that will give that person that validation that they're needing, and and there's many many different ways of, of and many different uh, ways of delivering that evidence. But you know anybody who's just given generalised information and asking mm-hmm. too many questions, then you you tend to they could be reading the, what's called the morphogenetic field. It could be you know the auric field. They're, they're reading that information psychically and not actually making a connection with spirit. You know, Jock, it seems that everyone you speak to who is a self-proclaimed ghost researcher, ghost buster, ghost detective, whatever they call themselves, and there seems to be, there's not a lack uh, for words of how people classify themselves these days when it comes to the paranormal. But it seems that the majority of these people are always throwing in, well, demons are involved. Uh, what's with this new age demonology that demons are everywhere? Well, you know, here's the thing: it's it's not new age. De- demons have existed since even way before the time of Christ. I mean, mm-hmm. you even go to Mesopotamia, 150 years before Christ. There's mention of demons in in that history. There's mention of demons in ancient Greek mythology. Plato discussed demons and possession and obsession. Right. Some of the great writers, Sophocles, Euripides, uh, Herodotus, Plutarch, these people mm-hmm. that, that were great classical writers from mythology, no, Greek. Oh, yeah, but Jock, 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 I'm, I'm not disputing the fact that there, there are demons, but it seems that all of these ghost teams and these ghost researchers are all using... Uh, or, or they're saying now everything is related to demonology. There's demons involved. You know, you where yes, yeah. I understand that demons have always been yeah. part of our history. But what is it with the modern day ghost investigator that makes demons so popular? Do you know what? I, you know, part of it. Part of me thinks that it, it sells, and and it's mm. almost a self egotistical thing to say, but. Here's the reality. Half of these paranormal teams, if they were really dealing with a demon, they would know all about it, and they wouldn't go. They wouldn't be going about brandishing it and talking about it. And at the end of the day, when when they're saying that there's demons involved in everything, mm-hmm. half of the time, it, it, it's not even ninety percent of the time, it's not true. And they could be doing so much damage to those people that might have an issue, 
or these families who are calling them in that may think they have a problem. I have a great saying that I, that I say to a lot of people. I say, if you think your place is haunted, right. it possibly is. If you know your place is haunted, it isn't. Now, it's a little right. bit strange to say because there is, there is a certain modus operandi that, that demonic entities or demonic beings, or let's, let's just, let's not even term them demons, let's say malevolent Okay. Force. The malevolent force has an intelligence behind it. It is not going to come out with a hat and a, a logo on the hat and a t-shirt and say, you know, and letting everybody know that's a demon that's there. Um, nine times out of ten, when a lot of these paranormal teams are claiming that they're demons, they don't really have any real, I would say, background or evidence. All right, we're going to have to hold it here. Jock, I have to take my first commercial break in Exonation. If you'd like more information on our guest this hour, Jock Brokos, his website is jockbrokos.com. That's J-O-C-K-B-R-O-C-A-S.com. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. We'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, Jock Brokos is my special guest this hour, www.jockbrokos.com. And, uh, Jock, before we went to the commercial break, we were talking about how demonology seems to be so popular. Demons seem to be so popular these days when ghost teams go out to do their, their whatever the hell it is they do. Um, <laughs> now, you've been doing this a number of years. You're credible. You know what the heck you're talking about. You said you were going to come back and jump right into something. So please go ahead. I want to give an example sure. and I'm, I'm going to make two uh, cases, like, kind of like a case study. One, one is from a paranormal team and I'm not going to mention them, but I, mm-hmm. I, I saw something today on social media and it was a video that went out and the video had basically said that uh, we're ready now, you know, we're moving into whatever it was, the season of, of whatever they're doing, and we're ready to book all of our appointments for investigations. So if you have a spiritual problem or if you have a demon in the house or if you have this, or you, you know, give us a call, reach out to us, you know, we'll get in touch with you and, you know, and we'll deal with it. And I cringe, mm. and I cringe because I thought, seriously, you know, this is almost like drive up to McDonald's, ask for exactly. a chicken sandwich. And, and get a, a demonologist. We have to. T- the first thing we have to take into consideration is the people who may have a, a, a problem. Now, I have a recent case that just came in, and it came to me, and it, it's actually from a very professional, a, doc, a doctor level, medical doctor, and the staff who are having an issue, and they didn't. And interestingly, they didn't want to go out and look for ghost hunting teams. They didn't want to be exposed to the, the farce and the, mm. the pomp and circumstance that goes with it. 
They wanted a professional. They wanted someone that was rational, scientific, and unfortunately, they ended up with me. So (laughs) (laughs) it it got to me through, you know, a person of a person and and it came to me Mm -hmm. and that's a case that I've taken on. But the interesting thing is, is that these people are professional. They're they're people of professional standing and they recognize that they don't want the pomp and circumstance and farce there is with unprofessional paranormal investigation teams. Now, I am not putting down paranormal teams all over because there are some really good teams that have studied courses in parapsychology that have read literature that understand um, these cases and um, uh, and they will take a very professional approach and a very confidential approach. One of the things that I would never ever do is go on social media and say, hey, I deal with the scary things of the paranormal. Give me a call. And, you know, who are you going to call? Ghostbusters. Right, it doesn't exactly, work like yeah. Because we have science that we have. I mean, 90% of the time, there's a scientific explanation for the phenomena they're experiencing. And when people are saying that they've got a demon in the place, I will guarantee that that phenomena is mm-hmm. not in, in, in basically in parallel to any of the demonic cases in history where there's been physiognomy, which is the, the, it's like transfiguration and mediumship, or, you know, but it's, there's a more nefarious side of it where it controls the physicality and the actual biological function of the body and changes it. You know, these are phenomena that these people are not going up against. Pretty much they scare themselves and they then open themselves up. And here's the other thing that they do. Demon, you know, demonologists are not so stupid. Or I wouldn't say demonologists because that's a widely unprofessional term that people use as well. But let's say parapsychologists, paranormal professionals. Right, okay certainly wouldn't want to go into a place where there's a possibility that there may be a really bad malevolent force and challenge it because what you've done is you've just invited it. And we all know that the first stages of of any diabolical possession that may take a long period of time is going to start with an invitation. There is no case that I know of in history that has just been a random, that when you investigate it, there is always a formal invitation invitation in some way and sometimes those invitations are not even known that they're inviting something in and so i think that that, the paranormal teams open themselves up stupidly and there's many paranormal investigators where their lives have turned upside down from it you know things have changed in their life and they don't know what's happening and, and i would probably wager a bet that you know they're being spiritually obsessed um but of course, you know, we put it at the foot of the unprofessional teams. And as I said, there's great professional teams. There's great uh, parapsychologists out there. And you need a mixture of, of science uh, and um, occult, if you like, occult practice. You know, we, we need to understand both sure. sides of the coin. But, but and, let's uh, face it, Jock. You and I both know that, as you were saying before, the majority of so-called paranormal cases can be explained scientifically. Absolutely. However, that isn't sensationalistic. That is not what the public wants to hear. That's not what they want to watch. They want the sensationalist. They want the Linda Blair with the spinning hair and the and the pea soup being spewed all over the place. 
you know, and, and that's the thing is, I think in, in, if you look at from a psychological mm-hmm. perspective, there's there's an element of being on that fun roller coaster. There's an element of people are needing excitement and they, they like a good scare and they like a good horror story. And, and I think that's also the same with these paranormal teams. But aren't we forgetting the most important part out of, nine, nine, or out of 100 cases that might be called to? Maybe there really is one that's really serious. Yeah. And that's opening yourself up to a Pandora's box of problems. But not only that, think about the poor people that are suffering. That's right. Think about those that are actually experiencing the subjugation of malevolent forces in their life. They're the people that we need to put first, not how much information we get out there on social media about it or how many likes we get for the story. Because there are people that are suffering from spiritual um, interven- you know, intrusion. Sure. Uh, and um, but it is. I mean, there's an element of everybody wants a good scare. They, you know, they want a good horror story. Mm-hmm. But really, if we really went, if we really investigated it, if we really put put them on the spot, would they want to experience it? I, I doubt it. You know, <laughs> really, if we said, you know, this is a real diabolical case. You know what really scares me, Jock? What really scares me are these paranormal investigators, for a lack of a better word, that go in there and are basically, not only are they practicing or investigating something they really don't know what the hell they're doing, but they're also, in my opinion, at times causing undue stress, and causing the possibility of psychological damage to the people that have entrusted them because of their online reputations. Absolutely. And, and that's what people, and that, you know, that's what people forget. Mm-hmm. And here's the other thing. They could actually be the cause of a real possession. Because if they go into the home and they don't know what they're dealing with. And here's, and they're not spiritually evolved enough to deal right. with it. I mean, really in their own lives. You know, one thing that, that, that I take very, very seriously is I am in, introspective in my own life. If I have any serious cases or people asking questions, mm-hmm. you know, I, I meditate on it. I pray. I, I, there's a time when I fast and, you know, there's a preparation for it. Do these ghost hunters do that? No, they don't. And here's the thing, when they're in that home, and maybe it's just a grounded spirit, or maybe there happened to be some kind of energetic portal that's been opened, and they start in, inviting and causing that communication, and then they leave, they're leaving it open. They're leaving the danger there. They're putting mm-hmm. that family in even more jeopardy and there may not have been a serious problem before, but now there is because now you've now actually invited something. All it takes is an invitation. And that malevolent force is intelligent. It's going to go after the weakest link or the weakest point that it can build upon. And, it, and you know in a lot of the cases that we study in the past, there is a, there is a serious intelligence behind them. They know what they're doing. They know how to manipulate psychologically. Then the people in the home start dreaming really bad. Then the emotions are getting out, you know, getting uh, uh, uncontrolled and they don't know what it is. And then they put it down to maybe it's then schizophrenia or maybe there's an illness. And they don't realize that just the fact that they thought they had a ghost is now an unprofessional team has come in 
and opened up a Pandora's box and just left the box open right in the living room. How many times have you been called in to clean up the mess that another paranormal team has caused? I, you know, I would love to say loads and loads of times, and but I, I would I would be honestly say I can probably count it on my on both my hands. I would say about eight about eight times I would say that I've been called in after a paranormal team has been in. Um, and here's the reason I think we we need to let people know that they can call on people like myself or other people to help mm-hmm. is because once they've had that damage in there, and once they've had that team in there and they've gone in with all the bells and whistles that's going on, they're terrified to reach out to anybody else. Uh-huh. I've had lawyers reach out to me on the quiet, and they would just never, ever, ever dream of, of having, you know, paranormal teams in. They, they've had, you know, uh, psychics in to come and banish. Hey, Jock, we've got to take our news work. break at the bottom of the hour. Please stand by. Exonation. our guest this hour is Jock Brokos. His website is www.jockbrokos.com, and we'll be back on the other side of the news as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. And you're watching us around the world on Simul TV, Channel 21. Sometimes, life can feel like a pressure cooker. From our work life to our personal lives and relationships, there's so much to balance. It's easy to feel weighed down when you're experiencing anxiety, stress, or sadness. But guess what? You're not alone. You may not know it now, but support is all around you. No matter where you are, all you need to do is ask. Let us help find you a community at churchescare.com. Churches are communities of care. Go to C-H-U-R-C-H-E-S-Care.com to explore the possibilities. Exonation, if you'd like to find out about all the other programming we have available for you 24-7, 365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, visit www.xzbn.net. And for all the programming on the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV, visit www.simultv.com. And we are channel number 21. Jock Brokos is our guest, and uh, Jock, we are talking about the strange, the weird, the bizarre, ghost hauntings, things that go bump in the night, demons, and much more. Well, let me ask you a very basic question. Does one's own personal religious beliefs have any effect on the type of paranormal event that they are going to be part of, if any? No, and, and this is something that a lot of skeptics will say. A lot of skeptics will say that if, really if you're part of a, 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 a religious mm-hmm. belief, then you're only going to experience that because that's what's in your religion. But I, I mean, I, I, I've had a, a case that recently came, and I made the mistake of actually saying I, I thought they were Catholic. And mm-hmm. there's a case ongoing at the moment in, in uh, Northern Ireland, and... Um, 
I immediately thought they were Catholic or and it turns out they were not. They were got no religious belief whatsoever. Nothing. So it it doesn't matter what religion you are. The difference in the religion is maybe the difference in, in the names of what we label them. So maybe in Christianity we, we label it as demon, you know, and certainly within Judaism they named it as demon and, and the you know and, and Muslim belief systems they named it as a jinn. Yeah. But let's take all those labels. The way I look at it, the way I look at it is let's you know, let's remove those labels. It's mm-hmm. a malevolent intelligent force that has no form but has a t- intelligence that can take form and obsess and possess. Doesn't matter. It, it is not bound by religion. It's not bound by time and it's not bound by perceptions. If the opportunity is there, so if someone doesn't believe, it may happen a different way. If someone's Christian-orientated, it may manifest itself in that way in order to control the the, the psychology of their mind, I mean, to control their mind in that way. If they're Muslim, it may show itself as as, as the jinn. It may, you know, so it doesn't really matter because there's, there's many cases where people have got. Um, paranormal subjugation, a bit of spiritual subjugation from, from malevolent forces, and they don't necessarily have any religious belief or any religious bearing. So at the end of the day, a malevolent force is a malevolent force, is an intelligence, an energy, that no matter what we label it, it still exists. And whether people believe it or not, it doesn't stop that not existing. You know, if you don't believe, you don't believe in gravity, it doesn't stop you falling. That's true. Simple as that. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what we label it, there is a, man- a malevolent force that exists in the universe, and it is intent on our destruction or the controlling of us. And so whether people want to call it dibut, jinn, or anything else, or evil spirit, demon, mm-hmm. or even nickname it something, doesn't matter. The fact is it's an evil force, and evil exists. And evil can cause evil in the world. I've just written a massive article on that and in, in, in suggesting that a lot of our murders, a lot of our, our famous psychopaths were in fact obsessed at some point, were, were possessed at some point, uh, or were willed to carry out the will of that evil life. Now, of course, there will be people that will come back and say to me, yeah, but there's a lot of there's a lot of criminals that have used it as an excuse. Yes, I can understand that. But when we investigate even some of these crimes or we start to look at the things that happen, there's little telltale signs, there's, there's, there's little manipulations of things. You know, you need to go back into the real history of that case to understand was this possibly someone who was obsessed by a nefarious entity, by a malevolent entity? So, you know, it doesn't matter whether you believe in it or not, it exists. You don't have to believe in it to, to, for it not to be there. And I would say that a lot of people that say that demons don't exist, especially in the mediumship community, especially in, in the spiritualist community, um, they're very foolish in saying that because we have, we have it through all history and all belief systems and all texts we have reference to malevolent evil force. Let's say somebody was to give you a telephone call and uh, claim that they have a, a haunting going on in their house. You mm-hmm. go down to the house to do what you do best. What are some of the telltale signs that you would pick up that this person 
nothing's going on in the house that they just want their five minutes of fame. It, it, it's quite easy, actually, because when you start to question people like that, that they may have mm-hmm. um, a, a problem and then they immediately think it's a demon. They, I've asked them very simple questions, the very simple things that you can even find out on the Internet and they, they can never answer it because they don't have that. You know, they don't have, for instance, um, they haven't experienced things disappearing, you know, or, or they haven't experienced mm. levitation or things moving or actually visually seeing something or feeling that there's a foreboding or smelling, uh, you know, bad smells or witnessing a, a, an immediate change in the behavior of, of certain family members. Right. Uh, these and, and the things there, when something is being subjugated by a demonic being, you aren't, you're not going to notice it so easily because it's so subtle. It's like the whispers in the wind. It's like it, it controls you without you even knowing you're being controlled. And so you, you have to really, really delve into that history, the history of the person, the psychological profile of the person. I mean, a lot of the times, some people may are just, you know, have either got a mental imbalance, and that could be a, a, a biological problem, but a lot of them do want the five minutes of fame. And when you actually ask them so many questions, and the thing is, is you want to ask not just one person. You certainly, I've seen people where they've been asking questions, and the whole family's there, and you're like, well, that's just like collaboration. They're all going to agree with it. But if you separate everybody, change all the questions, change the dynamics of how you question them, the whole. Uh, you know, and gathering the intelligence from it, mm-hmm. you will be, have to corroborate all that information and corroborate that separately at different points to be able to say, yeah, there's, there's a possible problem here. But if you just go into a room and you start asking questions and everybody's there and they're all agreeing and then you go, right, yeah, there's a demon here. Let's get the team in, get the cameras up. Right. You know, there's, it's crazy. You know, I've always said, even when, when this, this case that came to me with, with, with the, the doctor recently, um, they expected me, you know, we come down and check everything out and you'll see what's always No, not yet. You know, mm-hmm. You'll fill in this form and then we'll have an interview, then we'll talk about it and then we'll gather that information and then, um, then I may come down and see it. Then I want to carry on. I want to follow up on that because nine times out of ten, it's nothing. Yeah. It, it's nothing. And, you know, and here's the other thing. Um, a lot of the times when you say, have you experienced um, physical injury or ailment in your body mm-hmm. or has the person who's been targeted, and many times they don't. And then if they say, yeah, I have, I, I've, I've got a picture of something. And you say, well, you know, that's nothing because nobody has actually corroborated it. Nobody has witnessed it. And the scratch that they have, they could have done when they just walked past the table or the wall. That, that brings or me to a question, Jock. Who is a better yeah. investigator or a researcher? Is the person a skeptic? Is the skeptic a better researcher? Is he more, uh, is he more direct or the believer in the paranormal? Is he a better investigator than the skeptic would be? I would say that's a great question, actually brilliant. And I would probably say it needs a bit of both. And I wouldn't say one is better than the other, but I think both can learn from each other. There's a problem where a skeptic will go in and will refuse to point blank 
even look at the hypothesis that there may be a spiritual agency and they will look for anything that's remotely scientific and mm-hmm. even if it doesn't fun- it doesn't fundamentally um, add up they'll still not take it on board so you need someone who is is skeptical but is open and 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 I think a blend of the two is is excellent because then you have got, I recently speak to uh, I spoke to a, a parapsychologist mm-hmm. friend of mine and and we were talking about this and I actually you know, I said I was writing an article and I wanted to quote him and he then said and I'm going to quote this he then said well what you're saying you know is big claims and big claims need big evidence and it throws us back to Occam's razor razor I said okay let's go back to Occam's razor so Occam's razor we talk about the, making so many assumptions and so many hypotheses, it's almost there's always a simple explanation. Well, a, a, scienti- a scientist or a, a skeptic mm-hmm. will take you back to that and say, well, the, sci- the simplistic um, path is the science. That's the simplistic path, and that's what we have to do. But what if, Rob, what if the simple explanation is not the scientific path, and the simple explanation is this is spirit agency? Well, let's try and just, let's try and further investigate this on the other side of my final break. Exo Nation, Jock Brokos is our special guest. His website is jockbrokos.com, and we'll be back as we wrap up this hour here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. You're listening to us around the world on the Exxon Broadcast Network and watching us on Simul TV Channel 21. Exonation, before I get back to our guest this hour, Jock Brokos, uh, if you would like to file a UFO report, there is now a toll-free number that you can call as well as a website where you can go and file your UFO reports. The toll-free number from around the world is 1-800-610-7035, extension 102. That's one 800 610 7035 extension 102. Now to file your online report, the website is www.iufoRRC.com. That's www.iufoRRC.com and that stands for the International UFO Reporting Research Center. And once you file the report, you hit submit and it goes directly to a highly trained professional investigator who has either years and years as a military investigator or as a police investigator. These guys are not fooling around. So once again, if you'd like to call in your UFO sighting, W, uh, w yeah, let's try this again. If you'd like to call in your UFO report, 
It's 1-800-610-7035, extension 102. And if you'd like to file your online report and have an investigator contact you about your sighting or a researcher contact you about your sighting, the website is www.iuforrc.com. Jock Brokos is our guest, and his website is jockbrokos.com. Before we went to the break, I I asked you if a better investigator would be a a skeptic or a believer. And why I asked you that, Jock, was because when police do investigations, Mm. you don't get a criminal to do the investigation. You get the cop. You can't have a criminal and a cop do an investigation on a criminal matter. It just doesn't work. So that's why I was asking you, because as, as, a, as a criminal investigator when I was on the police force, yeah. you know, we went in looking for trouble. We went yeah. in looking for the evidence to build our case. Yeah. So, and I, I look at it that if you have, and based on the countless conversations I've had with members of the paranormal world who are investigators or researchers, they go in with the belief that the paranormal is real. So doesn't this taint the, their investigation and as well as could it have a, a tainting effect on any evidence that they may come across? Absolutely. You know what? I, I, I think I, I spoke to you before, Rob, and said, you know I am known as actually being uh, a skeptical right. medium, if you can, if you can. Well, so like even in in the book that I wrote, Deadly Departed, I call mm-hmm. it, I I call into question orbs and all this kind of sure. stuff. You know, I I'm I'm very skeptical on what it is, and I would rather mm-hmm. have a scientific explanation because believe you me, I don't want to go into someone that really has got a problem and then you sure. know admit it. So I think you know. Yes, absolutely, because if you have someone that totally believes and is 100% not asking questions, even if they're a medium, even mm-hmm. if they're a parapsychologist or there's some kind of paranormal research, if they believe everything and they're not questioning it all, then yes, it can be tainted. And this, this is why I say not, not everybody can be a paranormal investigator. I don't even class myself as a paranormal investigator. Um, and I don't think not everybody can be a medium. I mean, you know what sure. it's like these days. Every, every man and the dog's a medium. You walk into this, down the town and there's, there's, everybody's a medium these days. Okay, so you know, let's say easy. somebody needs a paranormal investigator. Let's say somebody needs a, a real medium. How do they go about finding the people who can actually do what they say they can do with with all the disinformation that is out on the largest electronic septic tank that man has ever created, known as the Internet. <laughs> I love that analogy. Um, well, here's the thing. You, half of the time, you can go on the Internet and there's so many claims and there's everything there. Professionals, no professionals, mm-hmm. no professionals. And, and there's going to be... I wouldn't just go on a website and say, hey, you know, these people are claiming that's who they are, let's do it. You have to have a look at their history. Their, their case, maybe not so much their cases, because cases are maybe, you know, private, but what okay. do they know? What, how are they writing? How are they, how are they putting this information in? Mm-hmm. For instance, I, I, I say to people, for a, for a long, long time, I, I was never doing any lessons or any lectures or anything on YouTube. I was just so much of it. And so what I decided to do, so many people were asking me questions or reading my book. I said, right, give me your, give me your questions. 
I'm going to answer them on a video so that I can teach you, and then I'm going to put it on YouTube so that I can teach the public. And so they understand. And you get a feeling for the person. You get a feeling for those people. You have to use your intuition. Does this person know what they're talking about? Are they involved in circles? And I don't mean like psychic development circles, sure. but are they involved in circles <laughs> where there's professional caliber people? Are they connected with science? Are they connected to real researchers? Are, are these people, or is this just little Jimmy down the street and Margaret? who's decided that they're going to get a camera and a couple of laser pointers and decide to go out and start doing ghost hunting and take an online course. What's the history? What's the background? And I always believe that every investigation should at least have a medium, a professional medium. And a lot of people will say that, that, that that's probably not true. But I, I think you should because there are certain things that are real professional medium working with a parapsychologist or, or, or an investigator will be able to pick up certain nuances, certain feelings, certain certain pulls and energy and changes. And they don't need to sensationalize it all. And it needs to be people that are compassionate, have mm-hmm. empathy, not only professional, pro- pro- professionalism, but don't want to go out and, and tell the world what they've done and put up all the reports for the world to see that they deal with it in a professional way. Um, and not all religious people are set up to do it either. You know, it, it's not an easy thing if someone's someone's under a spiritual problem to really... You know, there's a big responsibility. There's a responsibility with mediumship. There's a responsibility when people are suffering from mm-hmm. spiritual issues. And, and you are basically going into their lives and you're impacting those lives. And you have to be very well prepared for the repercussions and you have to be well prepared yourself and you, you have to have an air of professionalism. And people who are having problems will will find, they'll be guided, they'll find the right people because it'll glaringly set out to them. If you go on a site where they're saying, I did this, I was on this case, I was here, I was on this TV show, I did this, I did this, did this, and there's nothing really professional about them, there's a lot of sensationalism, I would say, well, that's kind of question it. You're looking for the person who has the professional approach. approach that has a valid history with it, that, that is connected with other professionals that they can call in and help. And, and you know, it's not easy, and I understand that if somebody's really... And here's the other thing. If somebody's got a real problem, uh, Rob, they're terrified and they don't know who to look at. They don't know who to go to. They don't know what to do. They're scared. I would say, you know, they would need to pray. They would need to ask for guidance. And don't just jump in. Do a bit of research. Mm-hmm. Don't just jump into... The the fire. I mean, the recent the, that that recent case I was telling you about it only came within the last week or so. They didn't go out on the internet looking for paranormal. Te- they knew, and there's loads of paranormal teams around here. Sure, there. They wanted a professional. They asked around, and you know, as I said, unfortunately, they found me. So, and and that's something that I'll be dealing with. Hey, Jock, Jock, we've got we've got about two minutes left. I, I well, what's the story behind orbs? Look, here's what I say about orbs. I'm very skeptical about orbs, and I, I love photography, and, and I'm a landscape photographer. Mm-hmm. That's how I relax. And I know that digital imagery, digital chips can take moisture and, and, and dust particles and 
it can blow it up and make it look like. And here's the other thing, when people are then blowing up these orbs that they find that have been processed through the digital chip and they see things, as far as I'm concerned, that's pareidolia. Mm -hmm. They're they're basically making that image and making it fit. So, and that can also be a bit of a dangerous thing as well, especially if they get too heavily involved in it. So I'm very sceptical. Where I will question an orb or an energetic uh, anomaly like that is if that anomaly is reacting to intelligent thought or intelligent consciousness or has an intelligence of its own and responds responds to conscious expression or responds in some way that is just not normal like a, a you know a floating piece of dust or moisture that's the only time when I will then I will consider that we need to look into this this anomaly a bit more because 90 percent of the time unfortunately guys and whoever's listening to this that loves orbs i'm sorry but 90 99 percent of the time it is pretty much digital processing and dust and moisture um but if it has a consciousness and it has an intelligence and it mm-hmm. reacts to stimulus then i might think yep yeah, okay let's have a look at this this may be something we need to look at Hey, Jock, you and I have to say so long for tonight. I want to thank you so much for joining us. Always a great pleasure. And quickly, give our listeners your website. They can find me on uh, jockbrokers.com, and they can also listen to me on YouTube by just searching for Jock Brokers Medium. And if they've bought Deadly Departed and they have questions, I have a special readers group. They can search on Facebook, join the readers group, ask questions, and I answer them. I hold nothing back. I answer educationally and try to teach people as much as I possibly can. All right, Jock, thanks very much for joining us tonight. Always a great pleasure. Index on Nation. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the Exxon Broadcast Network and on television on Simul TV Channel 21. I'm Rob McConnell. Don't go away. <laughs> 